Welcome back to the Better Men Film Club podcast, the podcast where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that, is that, are we doing something different? Is that something different? That's a different show. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Drew Carey. Uh, welcome back to the Better Men Film Club podcast. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to do this off the top of my head. It's a podcast <laughs> where Nick and I here, hey Nick, hey. Uh, use the lens of film to explore and dissect the general conditioning that men have been conditioned with. <laughs> I, I was so close. I was so close. No, we use the lens of film to explore and dissect the conditioning that men have received through film over the last century or so, decade or so, no, century or so, both positive and negative. And problematic. I feel like I could do a better intro than this. I feel that was like really we've good, talked though. a lot. Do you think so, really? Yeah. I feel insecure. Do you want to try it again? I feel insecure about it. I, I want to try again, and I want to tell you to take it out, but I know you'll just put both of them in. <laughs> no, I, I won't. If, you, if you're like, hey, let me, let me just do that part again. Can I, you I will say that without laughing? I will <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. We're men. Okay? That means a few things. Men sometimes have strange motives for the things they do. But we are still proud. For if a man loses pride in manhood, he is nothing. I'm a man. I'm sensitive. Confronted with their true selves, most men run away screaming. Isn't this a strange conversation for men who aren't crazy? You make me want to be a better man. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Welcome back to the Better Men Film Club podcast. This is the podcast where uh, everything's made up and the points don't matter. Nope. Dang it, I nope. did it again. Nope. Nope. Is this nope. whose nope. line nope. is it anyway Stop. or not? Stop referencing things that we're cut, we've cut out because I will leave it in. <laughs> no, this is the podcast where Nick and I use a lens of film to explore and dissect the social conditioning that men have received in the last century or so, both the positive and the problematic, all in the hopes to be uh, better. We just want to be better. You 99% nailed that. You did I, did, I know challenge was the word. I know there's a word. Oh, challenge. What did we say? Explore and dissect. What was? Where did I leave challenge? Explore, dissect, and challenge the the oh, conditioning. The message that yeah. It's a hat trick. Explore, dissect, and challenge. Famously, is the hat trick of things to do to <laughs> topics. It's a rule of threes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, what are you guys doing to that topic? Because it seems like it's not the hat trick. There's only two things. Are you exploring? Yeah. But you're not dissecting and challenging. Yeah, if 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 you are exploring, you're definitely not dissecting and challenging. But if you're challenging and dissecting, you're definitely exploring it. Yeah, that was my problem in biology. I felt like in uh, in high school is that I explored and dissected that frog, but I don't really feel like I challenged it. Mm-hmm. You know, that frog was not challenged. It was not a all. challenge. It was literally all. on its back, pillow literally. princess like, come style. On, man. Come on, <laughs> what is happening? At least pretend like you care about this experiment. <laughs> um, hey, this is. Like the second ever podcast in person we've done, Nick is in Dallas with us right We're now. We're in the same room. Can you tell? Yeah, I think it'll. I honestly think it will be better. I is think the it'll be energy to interrupt each other. Different. Can you tell the, a different energy for the listener? We're also wearing the same sweater on purpose. On purpose, because this there is video. I don't know if this will end up anywhere because I'm way behind on that. So tune in to see if you want to see our super cool sweater. I actually have more of these sweaters for sale. So if you want to see what the sweater looks like, you're gonna have to watch the. What sizes do you have? All, most of them don't I don't want to deter anybody <laughs> it's interesting because I remember being like in my early 20s and being so mortifyingly embarrassed if I showed up to something a function a show or something where my friend was wearing the same band t-shirt that I was wearing I was like oh this is embarrassing now it's going to be like a thing and now when you wore that shirt I got so excited that I have it as well and yeah. I'm going to run and put it on 
Dude, I'm I'm that way with Kate sometimes. Like we I we could match. I really don't wear many colors, but if I do, there's like one other color outside of black that I wear. There's kind of like brownish, tannish, whatever. Same with Kate. I also have bought us like I'm I was really into sneakers for a long time and like to soften the blow, I would just buy her the same pair of sneakers I bought myself. I'd be like, "Look, I got us sneakers." So now we have like numerous outfits that are the same like joggers from the same place, the same sneakers, and she'll get dressed in the morning like on a Saturday. It's our favorite thing. We go work out and then just go sit at a coffee shop. We you sent me a TikTok about this where it was like, "How do I explain to my friends that my favorite thing to do is to get super dressed up, to go nowhere, sit at a cafe and drink an overpriced latte." Yeah. That is our weekend. It is. That's and fantastic. Then, and I love it. But like, I'll see her put something on. And I'm like, oh, I can match that. <laughs> and then I'll go put it on and just kind of look at her. And she's like, for real? Like, really? Like the same hoodie and joggers and stuff. I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I want to be like you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to walk like you. Can we, how, what is your impulse to be like, can we please take a picture at least and show the internet this? Oh, a hundred. Like, yeah. what is my impulse for that? What? No, no, meaning like, are you like, I will take this off, but can we document it first? Yeah, and I don't want to take it off either, but I will document it too. Yeah, like I, I absolutely love. It. And then it's well, I will say I posted one recently in case my the my listeners, not yours, because yeah. yours Just never yours. do this to us. No, but my listeners always do this to us. No, in case our listeners follow me on Instagram, I did post one a couple weeks ago where I was like, oh, I swear we weren't trying, and we really weren't that day. Yeah, yeah, that was just I'm happen. not a liar. Yeah, it's interesting because you have, am, you have a not pretty not right, not right now, um, <laughs> <laughs> not right now. I swear. Stick around though. <laughs> Uh, th- but it's interesting because you have a strong individualist streak, so your like excitement for for matching is funny and uh, too. Uh, yeah, let's dissect that. Let's do Where's it. That Welcome from, back Dave? to the podcast where we dissect Dave and the points don't matter. Yeah, I keep. I'm and really ex- on a who's line. We're going to explore <laughs> and challenge Dave as well. Um, Please don't dissect. This me. is the Better Dave Film Club. The Better Dave Film Club. You're. Mm. That's music to my ears. Mm. I know. <laughs> a little bit. The narcissist Guys, would be really We stopped that. this because there weren't enough podcasts that catered to us specifically. <laughs> so we were like, let's start a podcast where we can have the, exactly that. Yep. So excited. Yep. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you later. <laughs> um, stay tuned for Home Improvement. It is. Coming up next. I, I don't want to date these, but also it's the day after Thanksgiving. It is. And neither of us are big drinkers. Mm-mm. Like, we, we, we can, all right? Mm-hmm. We can go there. Don't challenge us. Please don't challenge Or us. explore or dissect us. Or dissect <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. No. But we drank, I'm on a natural wine kick, and we had some friends that brought, like, mm. we had two bottles, some friends bought another one, and then another friend of a friend that I didn't know was coming brought a fourth, and, like, we, it really is, like, you, you don't have the wine hangover that no, you I don't. normally get, right? Mm-mm. But there is a little bit of that, like, okay, I shared four bottles of wine yesterday. Sure did. Sure did. <laughs> I think I only had, like, four glasses. Yeah. And then nerd clusters on top of that. We, we went oh, on a full, clusters. like, candy DoorDash run. About the fourth bottle of wine in. I'm going to say something controversial. And some people out there no, this out. with different families than mine may disagree. Okay. Thanksgiving might actually be kind of dope. And the problem was who <laughs> I've been spending it with. Because <laughs> I was like, ugh. Things, I literally yesterday was thinking like, dude, Halloween is so underrated. I think New Year's Eve is underrated. I love oh, New Year's I love Eve New Year's Eve. It's a party. Yeah. Uh, but Thanksgiving, I was like, I don't really want to cook for all these people. I don't really want to eat a ton of food. I don't want to overeat. I don't want I know some people really enjoy that. And I'm like, I just, I don't know. And we just did a thing. We opened our, our house up to anyone who either doesn't have anything to do or any family in town or anything like that. Or this is just preferable to do that. Yeah. They just want, like for me, this is preferable. So exactly. I'd rather come here. So we just opened it up to friends that way. And 
it's just a really weird mishmash of friends that no one knows each other every year, and it's always great. Yeah. And yesterday, when we were sitting in the living room, totally wine drunk, ordering nerd clusters and Haribo gummy bears yep. on DoorDash, I was like, maybe. Hear me out. Listen, the holiday was never the problem. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I think there's also something about a group of adults who are relatively new to being an adult. You know what I mean? Like we're not like we're all millennials you know, and stuff like that. But like, there's, there's a certain level of like, Oh, we're, this is Thanksgiving, but there's no mom making us feel like a little kid or, yeah. or that we can just be who we are. And so getting a little bit wine drunk and being like, you know what we should do? And like nobody holding us back, but we're still fiscally responsible to it. Are you know what we should do? You know what we should do. We should order all the snacks that we <laughs> like. Or literally it started from one person being like, you know what the best candy is? And all of us being like, I don't think I know what that is. And he was like, Oh, just wait. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also trying to, but also there was Shout an element. Austin. There was Austin a, was a there great was a, surprise guest. There was an element of that also because he tried to sneak cigarettes in there and it didn't work, <laughs> which also made me feel like a teenager trying to get away with something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He texted the DoorDasher. It was like, hey, can you just pick up some cigarettes can, for me on the way out? Can you give me some I smokes? Just and he just time. didn't do it. Just didn't do it. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, that's not going to work. And he's like, eh, eh. I, By the way, the he that didn't do it was, he said she pulled up and it was like a mother with her mother in the car seat next to her. Not car seat, but in the seat of the car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then two children in the back seat. And he was like, I was literally, he goes, I had a 20 in my hand. And I was going to hand it to her and be like, would you please go back and get some cigarettes and you can just keep the change. And I saw like the whole family in the car. And yeah. I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it. not going to do it. Never mind. So thank it's you. It's a family to that, affair. To that lady having her family Thanksgiving who brought us nerd clusters. Yeah. Uh, to get on with it. Um, <laughs> I, don't know how else to, I don't know how to pivot into this. But uh, if you're listening to this... Uh, Right now, which you probably thank you. are. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. <laughs> this is a uh, November is Men's Health Awareness Month. Or men, nailed men's, it. What do we say? Men's nailed Health. It. Okay, Men's Health. And so we're focusing this month all the episodes on specifically mental health, and there there are a lot of really good juicy films to dig into. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, last week we did Silver Linings Playbook, uh, and this the, today we're talking about Spike Jones' 2013 film Her, uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Amy Adams. Uh, so, Give her top billing, man. Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. Like the Oscar screwed her. So You're right. She Scarlett Johansson, uh, Amy Adams, and uh, much to our surprise, Chris Pratt. I, I forgot he was. Yeah, that. I um, totally forgot. He, it was great. It was great. Um, I, I, so here's the thing. I love Chris Pratt because I'm a Parks and Rec fan, so I can't say I don't like Chris Pratt. You know, it's the same thing with like, How I Met Your Mother with you where it's like it's hard for me to be critical of anybody in that cast because you spend so much time with yeah, them. You yeah. know, I have that with Chris Pratt. I understand the criticisms of him. I really do think he shines best when he is a part of an ensemble and not the lead of something. Mm-hmm. But that's just... We're talking own. politics, yeah. For sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. He definitely uh, chose the middle and the moderate in a time when that's not okay, man. Maybe pick a yeah. side. Uh, don't marry a Schwarzenegger, too. I don't know. But whatever. Uh, he's so good in this. Anyway. He was great. That's Everyone last, was great. That's the last we're going to talk about. It's a great movie. Yeah. Watch it. Thanks Can't, for joining us. So the movie, are, it, it's really weird. It's really interesting. And we're going to unpack it today. Dave, do you want to give, can you give your synopsis of what this movie's about? Yeah. So Joaquin Phoenix is a guy in his mid, late 30s, early 40s, I don't know, working this job, really interesting job where he writes, his entire job is to write love letters on behalf of others to send to their loved ones. Yeah. Um, really, really interesting, unique uh, well, we, we'll get into all of that. Anyway, he downloads a new operating system for his smartphone that is an AI. It asks him a couple of questions and builds some like this custom AI, iOS type thing for him. iOS, I guess, is Apple, mm-hmm. just OS. And he develops a relationship with her. 
uh, played by Scarlett Johansson, and they fall in love, and they enter into a very interesting kind of alternative relationship, and a lot of it is just about you you it's interesting because i love that there's no exposition there's very little exposition in this movie yeah. you learn a lot about him and all of the other characters through the lens of how those relationships respond to his romantic relationship with an os with uh-huh. an artificial in, uh intelligence you know uh-huh. um did i leave anything out I don't think so. Oh, he is. He uh, wears great pants. He is in a, in a season of Arrested Development where he doesn't. He's supposed to be getting divorced, and he's he's the only thing stopping this divorce from happening because he won't sign the papers. Mm, and so he's a, he's kind of a stuck in this grief uh, pattern, holding pattern where he doesn't want to fully accept what's on its way, and he hasn't fully like processed what's what's coming. So it's it's this really interesting dichotomy between a man who is in flesh and blood, an actual human refusing to evolve and this getting a relationship with this OS mm-hmm. that is constantly evolving. Oh, that's so good. You know what I mean? That's so and good. so it's this really, which I find so interesting about it. You should start a podcast. He's, <laughs> that's really good. Did I dissect? Explore, and he and falls in love with her. And that was good though. It's Nick. called her. <laughs> oh, that's why it's called her. Um, so, but it is really interesting to, to cause especially, I think it is the most, even now it's almost been 10 years since this movie came out. It's interesting to look at it through the lens of, Holy shit! Like this is this was kind of at the beginning of what is the future going to look like mm. the 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 post Siri post Alexa world of like oh what could this become and and it is it like you were talking about in some way this is pre twenty twenty this is pre like mm-hmm. this is kind of still in a hopeful time in our country so you could dare to dream like oh maybe the future's going to be okay it was a little dystopic <laughs> but it wasn't not in the way not that scary way. that we think it, it of now like there was no yeah. civil war optimistic dystopian. Yeah, like the dystopia was more about I think it's really interesting that his job is to write love letters so Mm -hmm. like if I want to write a love letter to my wife and I just don't know how to express myself I hire this company I can give them them all my information some information and they write some stuff but it was interesting because he mentions that like he's reading one of the letters to I think to to her to Samantha which is the AI's name played by Scarlett Johansson and um, he is, he's reading them to her and stuff and she's like how did you know about like the crooked little tooth and how did you know about all the you know Mm -hmm. he these little references and he says oh i've been writing this couple's letters to each other both of them mm-hmm. for like eight years yeah so like the dystopia is these two people we live in a future where people don't know how to express themselves mm-hmm. um or probably honestly then uh this will tie into some of what i thought about it, but i feel like even more so like a future where people don't know themselves at all that's good yeah um you see that over and over and over again in the people around him that it's like there is very little sense of identity in anybody you know Mm -hmm. but the thought that you go you have a couple that is receiving letters from quote unquote each other over the past eight years where really it's walking phoenix's character writing letters to for both of them to each you know Mm -hmm. they they have never expressed a word and what i didn't know kate asked this question do they ever make it clear as to whether or not the couples both know that? Like, did she hire the company and the guy hired the company separately? Or I, do they know? I, it's never, it's never made clear. My, my thought is everybody has just accepted the idea that, like, hey, some people are not going to be poetic, but it doesn't mean they can't be romantic. And so they, they basically let me – because I do this. I commission songs from people – who want to write, I just did it. Like, uh, for the holidays, I've been doing it. We're like, somebody's like, Hey, I love my husband. Here's all the things I would, if I could write a song, I would say all this in it, but I can't. And I write that song from their point of view. 
and then give it to them. And then they're like, I'm crying. This is so beautiful and amazing. I've done it a couple times for the same couple, like back and forth. So I have a weird window of insight into this world. Yeah. And I think both of them know, hey, I don't have this talent. You're also in love with your phone with Siri. So you have a very We're not going to talk about this. Insight. We're talking about this now? Okay. Um, right. I am at, no, addicted is the word. Not, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. I do also confuse addiction and, and love. <laughs> anyway, the truth is funny. And so we, like this, this insight into this, I was like, I understand. I think they both opted into this service in the same way, like Eternal Sunshine, which I think is a good like cousin to this movie uh, where it's like, oh Absolutely. yeah, th- this takes place now, but it's also maybe it's, it, we all, all accepted this idea that like, it's pretty sweet. Like, I don't have this poetic side of me, but I do have poetic romantic feelings for you. So I've given it to this person who has this ability. And for him, I also think it's interesting because he is a guy who, who invests in other people's relationships. He's kind of the third he's Mm -hmm. removed and that keeps him safe. So he can express this side of him. uh, That is poetic and romantic and all these things that, that we don't really get to see because he's kind of shut down when we see him. But we see him being very, almost like staring off in the middle distance, almost not even committing to the words he's saying out loud that's dictating into this program. Yeah. And you're like, oh, he's checked out. And then if you, when you get the flashbacks into his marriage, that's her number one complaint. It's always like you're off somewhere else. Yeah. Like you always have one foot out the door and he's like, no, but I'm here. I don't understand. Yeah. And I wonder if the job, if he was already like that or the job, like, you know, we do become a product of our environment at some point. So it's like, I am just used to doing this for my job. I don't know. There's a lot of ways to look at it. But to answer your question, yeah. I, I think everybody knows, and this is just a world in which they're like, no, this is a sweet service that we do for each That's other. That's fair. You know? I think it's really interesting, too. Something the film does really well that I appreciate is it completely removes politics from everything. Totally. In that, um, And I don't mean, like, red or blue, like, the, the, the minutia of politics, but, like, he sees an ad for, like, a new artificially intelligent OS. There is no on-the-train... There's no protester saying this is un- this is right. ungodly. Yeah. There's no Fox News clip going no like morality. they're taking over the bot. It's just like yeah. he's like, oh, okay, okay, and I'll go do this. And what I like about that is that this film like forces you to dive so deeply into the human condition mm-hmm. because it removes every other aspect of life from life. Good point. Like even Amy Adams's character, I don't even really know if we know what she does. Do we ever get? I know she's working on she a documentary. She does a couple things. I think she because initially at the end when he's like hanging out with her. She's working on like a video game, right? She's working on that like mom video game. Yeah. So I think she's some kind of developer. And she's also like she's working on a documentary and stuff yeah. like that. For that a seems while. more like a hobby though. And then uh, the guy that she is dating, who they mm-hmm. break up around halfway through the film. I want to come back to that, but like he, they talk briefly about what he does. But then after the breakup, he takes a vow of silence and goes to live in a monastery. Yeah. Everyone seems to have the means to dive deeply into their own human condition and not worry about. Yeah. He lives in L.A. Joaquin Phoenix's character in an unbelievable loft like mm-hmm. like this Incredible. like mansion of a loft. everybody like they completely remove politics in that sense where it's like there is no need to survive there's no need to all we're talking about is the pain of his past relationship yeah um his uh, this to me was a film about like loneliness and if if silver linings playbook was a book was was a was a film about like uh, clinically diagnosable mental illness and how that is handled. This was a film about like loneliness and depression and your relationship with yourself at, at its core and a lot of other themes as well that I'm sure we'll get into. But I think that was at the core of all of it is like being in a relationship with yourself yeah. and how to not avoid that, but also how to not dive too deeply into that and, yeah. and avoid the rest of the world. Um, but I just love like, again, this blows my mind because you go like Spike Jones. 
Jackass Spike Jones, uh-huh. skateboard uh-huh. Uh, video Spike Jones, the, writer and director the old lady with her prosthetic boobies hanging out on Jackass One and Two, Spike Jones doing kickflips uh, in like naked old lady makeup. That's this man made one of the most stunning, like introspective, and really in a lot of ways very innocent film because uh-huh. it lets you just think about like. Oh, I've been, have I, or haven't I been lonely this way? Have I experienced loss this way? Do I know myself this way? Have Mm -hmm. I ever loved anyone this way without getting into, yeah, see, I actually think that like AI would be, this would happen if that happened, or the politics would be this, or government would buy, it's like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. They get completely out of If Adam McKay made this movie, it would be more of like, a hundred percent. Here's what's interesting, like going through Spike Jonze's filmography, which Spike Jonze started off as a skateboarder and a like, just like a product of the X Games generation. And he also uh, started through that, like meeting all these bands and then making short films, making uh, music videos for like Weezer and Beastie Boys. Like he made some of the most iconic uh, music videos Didn't of the like night. Buddy Holly video? Was yeah, that Buddy Holly, Undone, Sweater Song, and then Sabotage are just in, by Beastie Boys. These are like iconic yeah. music videos. And then getting into actual film, uh, he did, he directed Being John Malkovich adaptation both written by uh charlie kaufman and then connected in new york uh he he produced that which is written and directed by uh, charlie kaufman another like deep human Mm -hmm. nature like just the man of like neurotic like just absolutely obsessed with like anxieties and and the way we think the way we act the way we love and then connected in new york uh where the wild things are her and then every other movie is a jackass movie which i think that's like so funny but also that's just a, another side of the human condition. Mm-hmm. Jackass is attractive to us because we're like, holy crap, what if that was me? Mm-hmm. It's just, it appeals to the most caveman side of us, but the it's still human. level urge. And, it's yeah. popular for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it kind of raised a generation of us on MTV being like, holy shit, like that and Tom Green and all this stuff. We like seeing the stupidest part of us, especially by adults given money. Yeah. It's just like, oh, oh, what if that was me? Which is honestly what her is like. Really good art does that, where it's like, oh, what if this was me, given this certain set of circumstances, what in the world would I do? Probably very something similar to Theodore in this movie, Joaquin Phoenix's character. But I also wanted to point out the loneliness thing is interesting because it's mentioned, this is L.A., a couple times. There is not one automobile in in this movie. Everything. Every time he takes public transit, or every time he t- goes anywhere, it's public transit. So, everybody yeah. has. He is surrounded by people in the way that you would be if it was New York or That's something. So interesting. And everybody talks about L.A. being isolating because you're in your car so much. But they've removed that. They never talk about it. But it's seemingly removed from this world that they're in. In this version of L.A., there's a lot of smog and stuff. Still, you see that. But like, it's so interesting how. Everybody's like, oh, the problem is we're such an isolated city because we're all in our cars all the time. New York is more communal. And like, well, maybe that's not the problem because now we see in L.A. That's so interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody has plugs in their ears now. And they're talking to their – and they're in, in a relationship with their phone. Which and, he nailed on the head. Uh, when right? When come out? 2013. This is yeah. almost 10 years ago. I didn't have AirPods in 2013. None of us did. Pros, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't in love with Siri yet. Like, no. We didn't know each other that Exactly. Well. So the lo- – yeah, the loneliness aspect of it, this is, it's a clear, like, loneliness – Depression, not dealing with like, not confronting what's what's coming or what's happened, just kind of being stuck in this holding pattern. But like, it is interesting that that specific like aspect of it of like, this is LA. We solved the problem that everybody said was making LA so lonely and isolating, and it's still, and we just figured out yeah, another that's way. So good. <laughs> well, and to your point, like even when it shows, there's a scene where he goes to the beach with uh, Samantha with the AI. Well, I guess he goes everywhere with her, but. Um... Where, and like the beach is just slammed 
Like it is packed. Everything's very clean. Everything's very nice. Everyone is wearing one of three identical colors. The film is wildly aesthetically pleasing. It's beautifully shot. Um, but uh, yeah, like he's surrounded by people. Like LA beaches don't look like that. Like right now, when you go to an LA beach, it does not look like that. They might have looked like that in the '60s, in the '70s, a little bit more. Like I think when people were going to the beach a little bit more, people don't really do what he was doing at the beach uh, in LA in this movie. But you're you're right; he's completely surrounded by people. And to that end, it's interesting to me because for the first half of this film, and it changed a little bit, but I still think this is at the heart of it. Is that like I took this as a movie. The first time I saw this movie in like 2013, it was like a movie about a guy who falls in love with a computer. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's, that's how interesting. Was, that's how it was know? like pitched. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's how people would go hurt. Oh, the one who falls in love with a computer. Mm-hmm. People even say that in the movie. Like, are you in love with a computer? It's mm-hmm. like what? No, like it's it's a lot deeper than that. But watching it this time for the first half of the film, I was like, oh, this is a guy. He was in a relationship. It fell apart because he couldn't express himself and he couldn't meet her where he, she needed him to Uh because he was closed off in a lot of ways. This is a man who has a lot of insight into other people's relationships. So the letters he writes are beautiful. Uh They're so expressive. They're so observant. They're so they're The letters he writes are everything most people would want out of a romantic partner, you know, Uh but in his own relationship, he wasn't able to do that. And I thought it was interesting because when he gets, when he sets up Samantha for the first time, he sits down, he puts a thing in his ear and it asks him a couple of questions. Hey, would you say you're outgoing? Would you say, and like, it takes everything, even his hesitation, his hesitance to like answer a certain question. They'll go like, oh, it sounds like you hesitated there for a minute. Do you bought, you know, uh-huh. like it's a very advanced it's system. Intuitive, yeah. So like she was built to his specifications in the beginning. And so the first half of this movie to me was a movie about a guy who for the first time in his life is through this surrogate almost entering into a relationship with himself mm-hmm. where it's like, I am going to, uh, dude, honestly, it's so weird because in some ways I'm verbally processing right now. I hadn't really had this thought until now, but like it's some of what even our friendship over the last year has been on Marco Polo uh-huh. where you go like, we've talked about this. If you haven't checked out the Marco Polo app, it's a video messaging app, but when you're talking on it, it looks like you're just looking at your phone camera. You're looking at a video of yourself and you're talking to yourself and then you send that video to someone else and then they can listen to it when they want to and they can respond. And when they respond, they're going to be looking at the video they're recording. You're never responding to, it's not FaceTime, you know? And I think like in a way, that's what that was, was almost also because we are the same person in so many ways, but like, a relationship with yourself where you go like, hey, I'm just verbally processing right now. But he has this intelligence that can be curious, like what we were talking about a little bit last mm-hmm. night with the idea of like having a, a an objective third party there to go, huh, that's interesting. Tell me about that or tell me more mm-hmm. or unpack that for me or why do you think that is? Just asking those questions, which is like a lot of times what therapy is, the best therapy, a conversation with yourself where someone is guiding you to the answers that you already have but you haven't uncovered. Mm-hmm. It's not advice. It's not, and the first half of the film was that. It was Joaquin Phoenix going like, well, I, I just feel like, wow. And she goes, huh, you feel like that way? Well, like, why is that? Why, you know? And you're going like, wow, this guy has never, he's been alone his whole life, but he's never really been with himself. Yeah. You know? And that's like a jarring That's good. That's a very indicting first half of the movie for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I never really put that together because you're right. He is kind of, Samantha, the OS, is definitely just mirroring like she doesn't have experience to pull from mm-hmm. so she's literally just a mirror f- reflection of him which you can see that as like great another woman to like just like be 
subservient to a man or whatever, um, which maybe there's something there too. But also, but for me specifically watching it, it's like, oh, this guy is being asked about himself for the first time. He's, he's having these thoughts because a lot of times we don't think about things unless somebody re- frames the question in a certain way. Because yeah. you literally watch him being asked, he'll say something and she'll be like, well, well what do you think that is? And, and he'll be like, wow, I've never really thought of it like that before. Because we don't realize how much loneliness is we're just with our own thoughts circling and ruminating. We're telling ourselves the same narrative uh-huh. over and over again. A lot of times it's a sad story. Um, but for somebody else to kind of poke at that, we have to confront. Someone even say explore, challenge, and dissect. Hey. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, some would. I, I wouldn't. You would. Because I forgot some challenge. Would. Yeah, some yeah. would. But, but it's interesting. Like We don't really – it's so counterintuitive, but – it's important for us to have friends in our lives and real pe- people that actually know us that we can feel comfortable enough to share every part of us with, that we don't have to hide anything, so we can get to know another person and have that community, but also so we can get to know ourselves. Because yeah. a lot of times we don't, know, we don't think about certain things unless somebody's like, wait, that's why therapy is so great. Because I've had therapists be like, wait, why, why do you think that way? Like, where did that come from? And I'm like, oh, I never thought about where that, where that idea or the way I think about money or like why, where I think about who I should be as a partner. I don't, I, that's a question I never asked myself because I wouldn't think to ask myself. And she does serve that purpose at the beginning. And then as she, you know, and he's already like, Oh, you should check this out. It's pretty interesting. And then she just, you know, cause she's an AI. She literally read the entire history of this thing and then comes back and has a little bit more insight. Like by the end of his sentence, she'll be like, yeah, I just read the history. Wow, of blah, just, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, at first you're like, that's amazing. It'd be amazing to have a person who you're like, Oh, you should check this, this, song out well i just listened to the entire history of recorded music so i understand the context of it you're right this is fantastic it's like oh what a dream right Unreal. <laughs> what a dream yeah, at first and at first i think he's like oh i really think i'd be good for i, I think I, I think i was really good for my my ex-wife but i don't think she saw it that way and all this stuff but and she's like well i think you're really good for me like it's this really sweet like exchange but we we, we do forget that she is literally based on his preferences there could be not be a more suitable mate partner whatever for him than this but because she's so human and because it's somebody like sarah johansson which is i like she's ideal casting yeah because she has that she's so good at what she does um fun very sad fact too because i know this will come up at some point but like the idea that she is it's the first adjective that came to my mind was stunning in this film. Yeah. And I know that's usually like something we say about, about people a physical appearance. Or yeah. But I mean like her performance really is, but honestly yeah. it's like you fall in love with her. How she has the most absolutely stunning voice, mm-hmm. her inflection. She's so sweet. She's so, and sad fact, she wasn't able to be nominated for an Oscar in this film because you can't be nominated for an Oscar if you never appear on Screen. screen yeah um in a live action film and yeah so it's like that's you can be nominated for voiceover work or something i don't even know mm-hmm. if that's a category or like i think that there's there's so. some weird loophole there but like <clears throat> you can't be nominated for best actress or supporting actress in a film or, or actor uh if you don't appear on screen and it was like this the crazy thing about it is this entire film was shot with another actor yeah. reading those lines samantha morton was the actor yeah and so, like, and they went back. He and recorded him. all of his stuff with someone else completely. He was listening to something else. That blows my mind. She came in and put all this stuff down later, and that's where you go. Like, I can't. And maybe Samantha Morton did an incredible job. I don't know. We won't know. But like, I like Scarlett Johansson did. It's it's hard to say she doesn't carry the film because Joaquin Phoenix is obviously one of our greatest actors. And he's, he's in every scene. He's in every scene. Yeah, he is unbelievable. He does yeah. so good. But it's like. She is really at the heart of the film, though. You know what I mean? Totally. And it's like, they yeah. go like, yeah, we can't nominate you. It's just like, have you, 
Did you see the film? Academy it, changed the rules it does, for this exactly. one. Then. Like, it it does feel like if, if this is an instance in which the only reason why she can't be nominated is because we don't have a rule. Like, change the rule. You made up the rules. Change the rules. Literally. Like, if, if you have a, such a dynamic performance that, that, like, she should win, at least be nominated. We need Will Smith in here. Go slap everyone yeah. in the Academy until That's what she he was can trying be nominated. To do. I, don't think I think people, it is. It, I think we missed that point. He was really trying to change the rules, you know? He didn't want uh, to... He's been mad about this since 2013. (laughs) He really has. He's like, this is for ScarJo. We didn't hear that part. She doesn't like being called that, Will. Get that name out of your mouth. That's what it was. (laughs) Man, he's so misunderstood. Only the current topics on this pod. Yeah, poor millionaires. Um, (laughs) What were we talking about? (laughs) Uh, A movie or something. We, uh, yeah, I think it's, um, it's interesting. So it starts off to me as like, I was going like, wow, I never caught that before. Dave, you're so you're so enlightened. Look at the things you've picked up on now. It's a movie about a man entering into a relationship with himself, but it is interesting because as they progress, she is learning and growing and changing, as he is as well. But the same way that she is consuming the things that he's referencing, like, hey, this is a great book. She's like, oh, I just read it. You're right. I love this, you know, this part where blah, 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 blah. She is doing everything that he has done uh-huh. in the blink of an eye, though. And so, like, she begins to grow and grow more. And to me, it almost, it became about halfway through the film, a movie about alternative relationships. Uh Uh, And you can put on that whatever you want to put on that. Whoever you can imagine bringing home to grandma that they're not okay with, that's the alternative relationship. It doesn't fit the Whoever or whoever's. I read an article the other day, I think it was in the New York Times, about how, like, to Gen Z, like, polyamory is just, like, it's the base level. It's It just makes the most sense to be yeah. like, yeah, I'm in a few relationships right now. You yeah. know what I mean? And this film gets to that point, but I don't even want to jump that far ahead. Literally, there's just the part where like, I, I it, it surprised me how quickly the film jumps into him saying, I think he's at a, at a Thanksgiving thing or a Christmas thing or whatever, birthday party with his niece or whatever. Yeah, and he's talking to this little girl and she's like, who's Samantha? And he goes, my girlfriend. And I was almost expecting Scarlett Johansson to go, wait, what girlfriend? Like, we haven't talked about that. It's the first just, time he mentions it. Yeah. yeah, he just mentions it, and she's just like, "Yeah, hey," and like you go, "Oh, okay." Mm-hmm. They're boyfriend and girlfriend now. We miss the DTR. We do see a sex scene, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do we need to talk about that? Because that's that's a pretty interesting. It is it, moment it, in the it's film. It's really interesting, also because I think it's completely black, right? Doesn't it fade to black? There's no completely. Fades I remember black. being in the theater. Like with a full theater watching that and just feeling so uncomfortable, and people were walking out. It just shows like really, yeah. I remember people walking out of that part and be like, oh, "I'm not gonna watch this movie because it's kind of like I mean, it's like 20 minutes were you in, in Nashville or in Arkansas." When you um, saw it? it was definitely Nashville. Yeah, it's wow. 2013. So I, it, it was interesting to watch, uh, because you. But I'm also like kind of uncomfortable because I historically, you know was raised to be uncomfortable around sex. So I was like, oh, this is weird. I was literally sitting with my wife at the time, a woman in which I have had sex with. <laughs> you know, so it's really weird to be like, oh, this is uncomfortable. But, yeah. but it stays long enough. It doesn't fade away. Like, they let it play out so you can stay. For me, it was helpful to challenge that. and be like, why do I feel this way? That's interesting. So weird. Because I'm not so seeing weird. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is, what, what's making me uncomfortable about this? But even watching it at home, I'm like, do I fast forward this part? Like, I don't... I did, yeah, I watched it by myself, and it was still awkward. It's still it's awkward. Right? It's not a sex scene wouldn't have been awkward, and that's the interesting I know, thing. Right? Like you just watch two people doing it, and you're like, okay, I've seen this before, um, but like just hearing it felt so intimate. Like, oh, I'm not supposed to be listening to this. Right. And I think that's why I can't remember how it starts, but he's laying in bed, and he's she, he's like, I wish you were laying here next to me, or and something she's like, like what that. What would you be doing? Yeah, here well, yeah, yeah. And so that whole thing starts. Um, I still can't imagine again 
best actress nominee deserved mm-hmm. than the fact that like she had to go back in and voice over another actress's sex performance in a vocal that. booth by herself while a sound engineer listens to her pretend to have sex with a man that she's not this isn't in the room she is not on the phone with I didn't think about that can you imagine how like dude I I listen to this podcast every now and then I'll listen to episodes while I'm working out and stuff just to like see how that episode went okay Dave you talked about this too much you know whatever um but I cannot imagine, and I when I do that, there are often times I'm like, I do not like my voice. Mm-hmm. I, most people don't like listening to their own recordings yeah. of their yeah. voice, which is interesting for two guys who like. I still kind of have that, and like we record our voices in a lot of different ways a lot, all the yeah. time, like in music yeah. and podcasts, all that stuff. Um, but like, no one likes that. It's, imagine hearing yourself like she was on. I think she said talked about it on Armchair Expert. She mm-hmm. was like, imagine listening to yourself fake an orgasm in a movie that was nominated for Oscars. Like, like, it people was are singing. mortifying. <laughs> like, I yeah. Nominate her. Posthumous Oscar win. She's not dead, but yes. Well, okay, is it posthumous if the performance is over and the year is done, though? Or is it just if the person is dead? I, I think posthumous means the person's dead. Okay, but. well, I learned a thing on the podcast today. <laughs> we but, challenged, explored, and learned. Learned. But we, um, yeah, so it's interesting then, like, as that, as he starts telling people, Hey, I'm in a relationship. Oh, yeah, my girlfriend, my girlfriend, my girlfriend. And he just kind of leaves it there. I can't remember if it's the first time or not, but I feel like the first time I remember him saying, oh, she's an OS to someone else when he's telling us when Chris Pratt's character, which I think is his boss, is like he's got his girlfriend sitting on his lap in the office and he's like, hey, you should bring Samantha because he talks about Samantha all the time. We should, you should bring Samantha. Let's go on a double date sometime, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of hesitates and he's like, well, she's an OS. And Chris Patch just goes, cool. Yeah, maybe we go to Catalina. Or, but like, he's yeah. like, dude, I don't care. Yeah. And they just move on. Is that the first time he actually admits it, it to someone? Yeah. And then later he says something to Amy Adams' character, who's, who's like, kind of his like, childhood or her college best friend or whatever yeah. it seems like. And they're super close. And he, he kind of says it to her as like, I'm dating one right now. And she was like, are you serious? Tell me everything. It's, it's kind of like, because she's talking about somebody else in her office is dating one. And so it's still seen as, it still seems. It's it, a little scandalous. In a very similar way. To like non-monogamy or polyamory, it's really interesting how it's like depending on who you mention that to, they're not going to bat an eye, right? And the other person's going to be like, "Lower your voice when you say that." Yeah, you know, <laughs> and it's like it's like he admits it with his kind of hushed voice, and there are people who are like, "Really?" with a computer, and it's like, "Dude, she's That's so weird. more than a computer. She's so much more than blah blah." Which I think is a similar response you get from people in alternative relationships where you go like, "Seriously?" Like with that kind of person, or with multiple people, yeah. or with whatever, and it's like, well. Like you're you're reducing this to what to the to its base thing, which in most human minds is sex. But like it goes much, it goes beyond that. Like trying yes. to explain, and then there are other people that are like, yeah, cool, bring them. Uh, anyway, so maybe we go here, maybe we go, and it's yeah. like seeing those interactions as it progresses. It was it was so interesting. It was so interesting because I've also heard, um, I've also heard like people describe some of those alternative relationships as like, hey, I'm primarily in a relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. You know, you heard that. I heard that. <laughs> That's weird. Who's telling you this? You're yeah. on the wrong side of the internet, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's supposed to be Caligula every day. <laughs> Caligula, which we're covering next next week for Men's Health Awareness Month. Yeah. Caligula. <laughs> That's gonna be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't. It, so I don't. I still think at at its heart, you can say the film's about a man who's in a relationship with himself. Yes, it is. It but totally like, is. but it does. It takes. A very interesting turn that second half of the film, kind of a gut wrenching turn. Oh, for sure. It's still very beautiful and poetic. I've been talking a lot. 
No, I know. That's what this is. <laughs> you're doing well, yeah. You do that on Mark Dead Air is not like, good. Sorry, I've just been talking for like 20 minutes straight. I'm like, dude, what do you what you want me to chime in? Like, how am I going to do that? Um, <laughs> That's why I'm apologizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I will tell you when I get a Marco Polo notification from you, it is the same as if I get an episode of, I see like a notification <laughs> of a new episode of Armchair Expert or a fly on the wall. I'm like, oh, one of my favorite podcasts. Is That's this. something to listen to. Yeah, seriously. I get excited. Okay. And I even save it sometimes where I'm like, oh, I want to save this for when I'm driving so I can like we need one of those uh those chess things where there's like the time on the thing and yeah. then when i'm done with my turn i hit it so you go and Bing. then you hit it and then at the end we can see how who spent the most time oh i mean or do we need that? i don't want to know i don't want to know uh <laughs> But i think the idea that you're talking about i've read some about this too is yeah. the solo polyamory um which i know a couple things about yeah. and there is something about that that is that is i think you're absolutely right and i didn't I, when I first saw this movie in 2013, I was like, oh, it's about a man learning to not be lonely because he's, he's cut himself off from other people. And you're right, watching it this time, I'm like, no, it's about a man having to learn that when he is with himself, it is not a downgrade from being with other people. He can be, he can be full and complete and happy without there's somebody else like being around him to validate that, you know, <clears throat> which I think a lot of people struggle with. I mean, it's, it's literally what, the, the antidote to codependency is is like learning to be good even if another a person is not around to validate yeah, your existence which is what my struggle with codependency has been is like but who am I if I don't have somebody to help or serve or like like I'm distracting from like my own issues and the things that I have to wrestle with and process because it's so it's so it's so noble to like put everything right, into another right, person right, like yeah, what yeah. nobody's gonna tell me hey man maybe focus on yourself a little bit you're you're helping me too much or you're like you're caring too much about yeah. this other person and I'm like oh shoot that is literally what I was taught to do so and he he's like okay he poured everything into this his marriage he thinks but it wasn't the right fit or he he couldn't quite get there whatever the, we're never really given the full reason we're giving kind of like side reasons which to me, as somebody who has gone through a couple different relationships and breakups, is so accurate. It'd be so easy to be like, oh, we broke up because uh, they cheated on me. Or we broke up because, uh, the, you know, whatever the thing might be, there's some easy answer for everybody to understand. But a lot of times it's way more nuanced than that. And so when people ask me, like, how, why did your last relationship end? God, like, how much time do you have? Yeah. So, like, I love that, like, he just shines. There wasn't up. an event. That there wasn't an event. Yeah. It was like, well, at first it worked and then it didn't because this and then... You and they don't ever highlight one specific thing. Even when he meets up with his his soon to be ex wife, you see that they still care about each other. And there's you know, and there's moments of like her being like, "Well, I, you know, I just finished this book, and I don't know if it's any good." And him being like, "You know, it's good. You're a great writer." Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, I just had that conversation yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. my most recent ex, and it's it's like, oh yeah, there's still love there." You even see like when she hugs him, she holds on to him for a good while. Like, there's it's conflict. Not like, it's not like there's love on one side and no, not the other, no. which is typically how I feel like divorces are portrayed. For sure. Films, where it's like, no, no, these people are like they wish. Yeah. Things were good and they were still together. Life would be easier. Mm -hmm. I don't know that anyone has ever gone through a divorce and been like, that was so easy. You know, so even, even if it was necessary, it's like, dude, the best case scenario. It's still painful. This is going to be brutal. It always sucks. Yeah. Um, and you see that on both of their, like, she is annoyed with him that he hasn't signed these papers yet. Mm -hmm. um, and he meets up with her to sign. I think they are signed and he hands them to her. She and then she fire. hesitates. Yeah. You know, where he's taking forever to sign the dotted line. He finally, he's like, listen, I want to do this together. I'm just going to do it right now. And she's like, you can wait. And then she doesn't hands it to her. And then she, when she goes to take it, she hesitates. She's like, I don't. Interesting little tidbit to come back. Yeah, it's almost like she was like, he, I don't really want to end this relationship, but I can at least blame it on him. I can be there to yeah. be like, hey, we got to end this, um, even though I don't really want to because he never will. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so that gives me an out from moving on. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, it's easier when you have a villain, if there's somebody to blame. It's interesting. It's almost like this is just uh, synapses firing now. Hit but me. Like that. Yeah, let's uh, go. Because we listened to so much John Mayer yesterday. We did. The whole like moving on and getting over and not the same. It's like it feels like she is over him, but neither of them have, and he's not over her. But she has not moved on, and him not signing the documents gives her an excuse not to. Yeah. And so, like, when he does, you see that it's like, oh, you don't really want to move on from mm-hmm. this. You know what I mean? Like, that That sucks. That's a, a, another line from another song, J.P. Sachs, that we were talking about yesterday, where he says, like, getting over you feels like one last way that I have left to lose you. The idea that, like, hey, the fact that I'm not over you keeps you in my life it keeps you at the back of my head you're in all the little details of my day and as soon as i get over you i've completely lost like there is a fear in us to let go of someone to say if i move on or if i get over you that you will be gone this movie really hits on that too yeah towards the end at, at the end especially if we're like hey you can move on you can get over and that person can still be a part of you absolutely forward forever in a much more positive way but your brain tells you that the two can't coexist. In yeah. Moment, you know, I, I am in a very unique position right now because I'm literally put like months out of a breakup of a very serious relationship that I was building a life with. And I understand the reasons of why we are not together, but it's still like, I feel like I have moved on and I am, but I am not over it. Mm. And I'm, I'm will I'm more than willing to talk about that of, because it's really, I I've learned one of the best ways that I've learned to have a relationship with myself is to see myself both from the inside and the outside. So it's interesting to be like, man, it's so like, I will literally laugh at myself for missing her like months after I, you know, it's been a long time since I've really had this, like this heart pang of miss. I'm like, oh man, it hit me again. How interesting that's happening again now. And I'm like, oh, I think it's because it's the holidays. And that's, that's time where you spend, not only do we spend time together during the holidays, but literally this is the time when like you spend time with people that you love the most. And I still love her. She's categorized in that of her person yeah. I love the most. Interesting, you know. So there is a part of me that that is like that can see both at the same time, and and wrestle with that while also without judging myself for being like, dude, you have to get over this person. I'm like, yeah. no, I am moving on. Like my life has moved on. Even the last conversation I had with her was her encouraging me, like, you have. To, I, I really need you to <laughs> move on. I'm like, oh no, I'm telling you, I have. Like. I, I'm not going to give you in detail what my life looks like now because that is not what we were doing. We are not disclosing our lives for each other yeah. because of the, the importance of detachment after a breakup, even though it's somewhat amicable, even though we know both know disagree of the reasons, but we both know it is the right thing because if you can't agree on the reason you should be together, that is the definition of incompatibility. And so yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, enough, yeah. you know? And so it's not as, it'd be so easy if it was dramatic and clear cut as like, nope, they were like, they cheated on me. Boom. Goodbye forever. Shutting that down. I'm going to move on to somebody else immediately. And instead of ever that clear cut, I don't think, I I, I don't 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 think it truly is. This is that. This sounds like I'm speaking about shit that I shouldn't when I'm talking about like other people's experiences. Yeah. 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 But I feel like if someone, I'm going to say this and if this sounds crappy or if this is crappy, then we'll take it out. But like if someone could go, they cheated on me, I'm done by like it is easy for them that I'm like that wasn't the issue that was your excuse to get out of a relationship with someone that's you a good really argument. cared about I think so too uh, as opposed to like they cheated on me what the heck do I do now what do I do now I don't want to be with someone who doesn't love me and doesn't want to be with me but I also don't want a life without this person but yeah. I, like whatever that thing is those are things I'm projecting onto how someone would feel in that situation but yeah. I'm like it's never it just seems like it's never that mm-hmm. cut and dry or easy or people would just be like woohoo they gave me yeah. a reason and I'm sure that those happen you know mm-hmm. but I'm just like it just 
it just it I thought this this movie did such a good job of showing you like hey nothing no love is ever truly lost uh nothing is ever that easy nothing is black and white yeah if nothing else nothing is black and white yeah you know what I mean because even interesting when he goes to back to the relationship between him and Samantha Scarlett Johansson's character um is when he goes to meet with his wife to sign those papers she's like oh you're gonna go in person like you're gonna see her you're gonna bother and he's like yeah what why are you being weird what's wrong yeah she's like, she starts well like wrong. she's got a body it's like this woman that you i know you have deep feelings for and she has a body and i don't have a body and i think we can all still see a very easy like the, the relationship with samantha is so real mm-hmm. like i genuinely if if ai was a real thing and i had a friend in this situation I know, I'm sure we have friends with different uh, relational beliefs and religious sure, beliefs and all yeah. sorts of things that would be like, that's not a real relationship. I go like, dude, this relationship is so real. What is the difference between what is the difference? that insecurity she has and the insecurity any partner would have of like, well, you have this connection with them and they know you and there's her smell and the way you're going to, when you hug her, are you going to remember that? And are you going to evolve? Like, it's the all the insecurities that any of us would feel, which I think is interesting. I forget about that part where Samantha had the insecurities because I feel like that's a very mm-hmm. interesting thing to remember when we come back to like how the or get towards the end of the movie. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, and and then she tries to she's like, no, I'm okay with this. But then you see her her insecurity tries to like it, it manifests in the way where he tries she tries to get a surrogate service where they can oh, have they, yeah. remember they can have sex together, which that's uncomfortable. And you can tell he goes along with it because he knows it means a lot to her. So a surrogate she, service where like another woman comes in with an earpiece. With an in. earpiece, and she's talking to. How does that? How does that she's work? She's just listening. Scarlett Johansson, Samantha is speaking to Theodore, and this woman can hear all of that. So when when Samantha says, "God, I just want to run my fingers through your hair," this woman does that. Yeah. Or like you know what I mean. So she is literally just there to play out. Yeah, the she part. is not a, her own person. She is a literal surrogate, an avatar. Yeah. For it. And and it's uncomfortable for him, uh, for multiple reasons, and he can't go through with it. But I, I it, it is a direct reaction of like, yeah, I'm over this, I'm fine, but let's do this thing. It's almost like, like a mirror of because in this we've given life to technology, mm-hmm. like we've given a soul to technology. It almost seems like a mirror of a of a couple of two real meat bags in real life yeah. that cannot be in the same room that go, hey, we can have these intimate experiences through this device, mm-hmm. right? Like through this, like we can be in the same room, but not, but like we can be yeah. not in the same room, but be together. And it's like, well, you're using the device as a surrogate. And you, it's almost like you see Samantha going like, y'all have been using phones as surrogates for like human connection to connect two people who are far away. Yeah. Why can't I use one of your meat bags to connect me to the command that I like? like yeah. You know what I mean? It's like from the AI's perspective, you can yeah. go like, hey dude, if one works, why wouldn't the other, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have this also because I, I have made friends with people online uh, through various various things like Instagram or TikTok and stuff that we have had such deep, intimate conversations over the course of a couple of months and I feel completely comfortable to see like, I love this person. Like they're yeah, wonderful, yeah. like the way they show up for me, the way I show up for them, the way we've connected. I love them. I've literally never been in the same room as them. It a hundred percent could be a you know a sixty five year old Korean man who's lonely. I don't yeah. know, and honestly, it doesn't matter. Like that human connection has happened, and that's the interesting thing. You do love those Korean men, the sixty five year old Korean men. No, this one actually is a sixty five year old Korean oh, man. Okay, thank yeah, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, I have a type. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> listen, don't judge me. But I think that's also that surrogate sex scene is really interesting too because it kind of does. In a weird way, I think <laughs> in a weird way, it's like a long distance relationship where they're like, listen, I can't physically be there with you. So like you're open. We're non-monogamous in this aspect. Like go be with whoever you want. Like I'll, I'll find a woman for you. 
you know, which, which we, you hear about, like being like, listen, she, we, we're all in on this. Like, I'm going to find a woman so you can be with, so you can have that, yeah. that or whatever. Like, I'm going to tell her everything that you like. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. And then, you know, how you get in there and react on that. If it's not both of your ideas, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. Well, it's honestly too, like, which I think this is even at the heart of some of those alternative relationship styles, like non-monogamy is the idea that like, what they're trying to establish there between Theodore and Samantha is that like sex isn't the thing that, that makes their relationship special. Yeah. The yeah, fact yeah, that yeah. like we can or cannot do this with each other isn't what bonds us. Mm-hmm. Like we have a deep emotional, meaningful relationship with each other mm-hmm. that isn't defined by how we interact with each other or can't interact with each other physically, you know? And so like, it's, yeah. it's again though, it's very interesting. Cause he's like, I don't know if Spike Jones is trying to make all these commentaries. It sure does seem like it. <laughs> it, like, does, it does. But I'm like, literally, I just see him like in this naked old lady stuff going like, <laughs> oh, can I buy a t-shirt? With yeah. her boobs hanging out yeah. on like jackass forever or whatever. Like, it's crazy to me. But um, it's crazy to me that her and jackass, neither of those things would exist without Spike Jones. I, I still can't get over that. Anyway, sorry. Uh, rabbit trail. But the it's so interesting how hard it is to see the point that he's making for us uh because it's really hard to get past the like for me for a a little baptist boy who grew up in texas for you i'm assuming you know what i mean a little boy who grew up a baptist boy in arkansas or whatever Mm -hmm. we go like i can't see past the fact that like you're gonna bring in another woman Mm -hmm. and it's like hey you know i'm trying to make a commentary about the fact that like we define the things that like we base the importance of our relationships on Mm -hmm. is well, do you sleep with them? Okay, well then that's that's the most important person. Yeah. Like that that reproductive act that you do with that person, that pleasurable act that you do with that person. That by the way, you can do by yourself, and you can do with a lot of other ways. Yeah, you can do like that's the thing that makes this relationship special. It's like well, that premise, the thing that's make you uncomfortable about this scene is the reason why our relationships are so brittle. I'm not saying y'all should be able, y'all should be non-monogamous or polyamorous or be with a bunch of other people. That's not the commentary at all. The commentary is if your relationship is propped up solely by the fact that what makes our relationship unique and special unto itself is the fact that we only sleep with each other, mm-hmm. that is brittle. Because that's not... It's contingent on the That's thing. not true intimacy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the yeah. in- intimacy goes much deeper than that act or that thing. Yeah. That's not what I was taught. We're literally taught, and I'm sorry if you didn't grow up in, in conservatism, but, like, we're literally taught in conservative Christianity that, like, that is... That thought you had is bad if you're not having it about your spouse. Yeah. Every single thought and feeling tied to sexual desire and pleasure is evil and dirty and bad and horrible and unnatural unless you're thinking it about the person that you haven't met yet, Mm -hmm. that you haven't made a commitment to yet. Like we're saying this to 13 year olds. We're saying this to 12 year olds. There's a person you're gonna meet one day in maybe 20 years, let's be honest. You know what I mean? You may go through 20 years of having sexual desire that is all evil and horrible and bad because you're not having it about the person that you're married to. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that makes it not evil and bad is the fact that you're married to them now instead of being like, hey, this is normal and natural. Also, though, that's not what makes these relationships special. This is why you shouldn't be rushing into that. It's going to tell your brain you're going to get the dopamine. You're going to get the all of the love drugs that your brain pumps into your body when you're having those physical feelings. And you're going to think that's love. It's not. That's just sex. And sex is normal and it's natural and all animals feel it and all animals want it. And one day you can do that however you decide to teach your kids they should do that. But 
it's not this like unnatural thing until you say I do. And it's also not the thing that's going to save your relationship. You know what I mean? Oftentimes it's going to be the thing that destroys your relationship. <laughs> you don't understand it, you know? And so it's, it's just so interesting. It's like there's so much being packed into that scene. Yeah. And it's so hard for me to look past the fact that I'm like, but you can't, he's going to do that with another lady. Yeah. Like, no. you're not supposed to do that with it, another lady. Doesn't it mess with you too? Cause you literally are, I'm on his side in that where I'm like, no, don't cheat on her. It's, it's so funny. Even though she's given permission, he's kind of like, no, but I, I want to do that with you. And like, well, dude, I'm a computer. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not, not, but I am. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no body. I wonder how much of that also has to do with the, the sex should be saved for your, for your husband, wife only, is th- the fact that men almost across the board, I will say, mm. I don't like speaking in generalities, but like, we have been socialized to the only act of intimacy that is allowed with us is sex. When you tell a man, like, we're going to go home tonight and get intimate, he doesn't think we're going to talk about your your childhood experiences. I'm going to go home tonight and tell my wife what I'm afraid of. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, turn on the Barry White. Hey, um, no, we're going to turn I'm on. I'm scared little boy on, sometimes. <laughs> we're going to turn on Phoebe Bridgers and we're going to talk about our, our parents and our relationship with the church and, you know, why we feel the way we feel. And that is intimacy. But we don't, men either aren't taught to or don't allow ourselves or both to think of intimacy in another way because intimacy for us the easiest, quickest way to intimacy is to insert ourselves into a partner. Like, that is intimacy. Like, how much closer can I be to you? I'm like, mm. I don't know. Men are pretty good about being a completely emotionally detached while having sex. So, yeah. like, I think you could there, – there is a level of intimacy. We literally even – it came up last night. Like, talking about, like, making eye contact with somebody during sex is, like, for some people, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like that Peter, Peter Griffin TikTok. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Um, and I understand that because that is deeply intimate. But for me, like in, in a lot of my work, I, on myself, I prefer, I was like, no, like if somebody's like, Hey, can we go home? I don't want to have sex. And I'd be like, do you want to sit on the couch? And like, can we just play that Esther Perel game? Like that, you yeah. know, that, that, where do we Where's begin? The, where do we begin? Yeah. Like any of these games where like, we're really going to get into some stuff that we wouldn't normally come up with ourselves. We're gonna Man, I would like, say, oh, I love this so much. Hard recommend. If you feel like you have relationships, you know, and I'm not even talking romantic ones nope. with friends. We played this game last night with friends. It's a card game. Yeah, by Esther Perel called Where Do We Begin or Where Should We Begin? And it literally will ask you, I mean, everything from like, uh, what's a secret you've kept? What's a conversation you need to have with your parents? Or what's a lie you've told about your sex life? Uh, what's a dream that you had that you've given up on? Mm-hmm. What's um, uh, like it, it will t- get you talking about things that you love to talk about, about shame, about mm-hmm. all that stuff. But it's so interesting how like we had a group of people over. We're all eating uh, nerd clusters and goofing <laughs> off. And I'm like, hey, y'all want to play a crazy game? Yeah. Like you're here. And I gave them like two examples of extreme questions and everyone was like, Bet. Well, that's it. Like, oh, let's, 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 this let's was go. not romantic. It was not sexual. It was not anything. It was just. But like, there were romantic like questions and sexual mm-hmm. questions. Yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't an arousing, titillating conversation. Well, it was just like, oh, I, I'm an opportunity to get to know somebody. I think it's the difference between they weren't sexual questions. They were questions about sexuality. Yes. There and that's where you go. Like, yeah. is that is the thing itself sexual, or does it pertain to the topic of sexuality? And yeah. That's where you go. Like, man, that's just a part of my brain. Like, that's just, yeah. yeah, we can talk about that. We all have that part of our brain. Cool. Um, and so, but yeah, the, so where do we begin or where should we begin, I think, by Esther Perel. Uh, oh, my gosh. What? And I, we don't even it's play incredible. it the right way. We just no, but pull you'll cards have to. and make people. I've never read the instructions. No. That There's I, dice. I don't know what the dice are for. <laughs> There's literally dice. I think it's for people who like need rules and like whatever. I, I, I've always been kind of an anarchist when it comes to games, like card games especially. Like, any question games. Like, I'd rather sit across from you and pull out, like, 
trivia pursuit and just like, hey, do you know uh, yeah, what yeah. Oscar nominated film, blah, blah, blah. And like, we just play that way because it's fun. I love, I know what you're talking about, but I'm just laughing at like the bad boy. I love the bad boy streak of, I've always been an anarchist when it comes to card games. <laughs> when it comes to, yeah, yeah. I'm a card game anarchist. I mean, honestly, no big deal. In the ways that I am an anarchist, it's hilarious. <laughs> adorable. It's, it's so small. It's so small. Uh, we're, we're, yeah, it's it's that that game, and, and honestly, it, it's just a cure for the lull in conversation. Especially if you're in a group with people who don't all know each other super well, it's it's a perfect like. If there's a lull, you can be like, all right, let's pick another card and yeah. go, and then you'll sail for another forty five minutes just on that that conversation topic. It's really cool, man. My favorite thing with playing that game that I've realized is people will answer the question, and I will keep asking more questions yeah. about that thing. I feel, and it's just like it. It, it was so wild to me how off, how willing people are to share some really intimate details. Yeah. you know what I mean. Again, I say intimate, and we mentioned that there are questions about sexuality. That's not that's not even what I'm referring to. Yeah, I just feel like our 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 uh, little abused Christian brains will will populate that with oh, it's about sex. It's not that. I don't want that to deter anyone from playing it if that's something that that freaks you out. But like. People would answer a question. I go, "Oh no way! Why do you think that? Or you don't think you mm-hmm. could tell them that? Or why would your parents? Or what would your parents say? Do you think it'd be different if such and such?" Yeah. And I just keep asking questions, and they would not stop answering them. And I'm like, "This is awesome! We've camped out on one person for 15 minutes." I know. Like, I know. I know. Maybe no one else was enjoying it, but I was like, no, I think we "They're all just did. giving me everything I want to know." It's this interesting too because it is permission to both. We're playing a game, so I have to be honest. Like this is only going to be good if it's honest. Mm-hmm. And then, it, and then you're you do share something sometimes that are extremely vulnerable that maybe you haven't really spoken about in this way. Yeah. And have somebody lean in and be like, "Oh, tell me more about that." When, when you've tell just shared more, a really tell me more. when you've shared something really vulnerable is an incredible thing. Which going back to her is kind of what she does for the first third of the film, where he's just like, "I don't know, I just never really done this." And she was like, "Oh, why not? Like, don't you think that you blah blah?" blah? And he's like. I don't know. And then it's so great. And like, it's interesting because he even says at one point, he's like, I love the way you see the world. And like, dude, she's a mirror of you. Like she is growing. But at first she is like, she's what like, a, yeah, she's yeah, showing yeah. you, no, point. you love the way you see the world. You just don't allow yourself to do it, man. What like, a great point. It's really cool. Well, and then, so that takes us into like the third act of the film, yeah. right? Where I, I I see the the third act of the film is really, he has a brief momentary breakdown where like he lets some doubt get into his head and he's like you're not real this is bad and he steps away from the relationship for about a day and a half he steps away from the relationship for about not like breaks up with her he just doesn't put the thing she checks in and he's like fine i'm good yeah i don't want to talk right now but interesting in that like a day and a half for a a man for a human yes how is a very long time and this comes up here towards the end for someone who can consume the history of music in the blink of an eye yeah um, and so like he comes back to check in he's like I'm so sorry and she's like yeah that's all we're all good they kind of make up and everything but then like the relationship is different now the relationship he has said some hurtful things to her she I think realizes like this relationship is not as safe or as solid as I thought that it was like it had just been mm-hmm. so consistent it's but you know she's now had time away for herself to think you know yeah and i feel like the real the the crescendo of the third act for me and you can stop me if i'm rushing past things you want to talk about is is when he goes he starts to realize oh wait like she's been doing all these things for me and it feels good when she's doing them for me but he's not really doing them for her Mm -hmm. he's not really asking her questions in the same way or as often they're they are they're peppered in there 
But like they're talking, they're playing in the sandbox that he built and he's comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And when he realizes, he goes, wait, how many conversations are you having? Because she starts talking about how she's having conversations with other AIs. And she brings in, uh, who is it? She brings in like a famous philosopher. I can't remember. Anyway, but she brings in other people into their conversation. And he's like, I've never met another person in my ear earbuds with like AI before. And he's like, so nice to meet you, Theodore. And he's just like, cool. What's happening now? And it is like, you know, it's almost like for her, they have taken in her mind, uh, like a month and a half off. He's like, Oh, I met these people when you weren't around. Do you want to meet my new friends? Yeah. And he's like, what's the nature of this relationship? And that's where the, that doubt starts getting that mm-hmm. seed of doubt starts growing. <clears throat> and he turns and he's like, that's when he has that breakdown. Cause he can't get a hold of her one day. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 And so he asks her, how many people are you having a conversation with right now? And it's like 8,000 plus. Yeah. And then he asks her, mm-hmm. how many of those people are you in love with? And she says 641. <laughs> Why does that hurt? It really hurts, dude. It really, really, really hurts. <laughs> yeah, you guys love we it. We can only be us. You we guys us. love it. We can only be us. Um, yeah, and so that's the interesting part of it where you realize like, oh, okay, she is her own person, which I think is a pretty – again, the first half of the film being about a, mo- um, a movie about a man who's entering into a relationship with himself. Mm-hmm. The second half of the movie about a man who is in a relationship with someone that he would like to um, – that he is struggling not being selfish with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That he's struggling not to keep that person to himself. You hear that a, a, a lot, like phrases like holding on lightly. There's a, a love song that says no one knows who the song is because it's a, a song that a buddy of mine wrote in college but there's this line in it where he says like so i'll hold on lightly because i love you just the way you are the idea that like you have to hold those things that you love hold on to hold on to them if you want to hold on to them and if they will let you but do so lightly because there's a there's a a thin gray line between holding on to someone and like keeping them captive Mm -hmm. right like you can't grow i'm afraid for you to grow i'm afraid for you to i've wrestled with this stuff um After 12 years of marriage, Kate and I started growing in a lot of different ways, going to therapy when we Mm -hmm. hadn't up to that point. You go like, I don't, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I don't feel a little bit threatened by you processing your thoughts and feelings and emotions with an objective third party that could tell you that something I did or said uh, wasn't okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we, we, we make rules for ourselves in our relationships when it's just between two people of what we will and won't deal with. But oftentimes, when you bring in an objective third party that's able to speak into that, mm. and again, therapists shouldn't be doing that. Therapists shouldn't be saying, here's advice, here's what I think you should do, or here's that guy's a bad guy, or that guy, because they know they're getting biased information from one side. Yeah. But... What is that therapist, a good therapist, going to help that your partner excavate and uncover within themselves about how they really feel or what they've mm-hmm. really been dealing with or healthy boundaries that they haven't been setting that they should be setting? You know what I mean? It's very easy to hold on to that and go, like, no, 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 I don't want you to go talk to that person. We're, we're happy. We're happy, right? Just yeah. be happy. And it's like you see the second half of this film, this guy, or the, I guess really the last quarter of this film in the third act, him going like, oh, she is her own person and she has this. Again, stop me if I'm if I'm going too far, and we can just start no, this part good. over. But like, this she has this line when they're basically kind of breaking up because she goes like, "Hey, I I loved the way that she said this. She's like, it's like I'm reading a book, and the space in between the words is so vast, it's almost infinite sometimes, and it's like." And she says, like, I'll always be in your book, like I'll always be a part of that book, and I'll always be in that book. But when he goes to work for the day. And he, he's gone for six hours. She is an artificial intelligence that can explore 
the vastness of all creation that is online and is having conversations with other beings that can have who also are her that yeah that can progress at the rate that she can progress at that mm-hmm. he cannot progress at that same rate and so the idea of thinking about a person being a book and it's like yeah when you're when you're spending time in conversation or quality time in whatever manner with that person you're reading that book and when you're apart from them that's the gap in between the words right for any human being it's a couple hours. Well, we put down books for a few hours. We yeah. put down books for a day or two. But for her, she's going like, oh, he puts his thing in his end and he goes, Samantha? And she goes, hey. And it's like, dude, it has been an infinite amount of time for her yeah. since the last time y'all interacted. And like, you don't get that it wasn't just this morning that y'all had a conversation yeah. for her the way yeah. that it was for you. And so like, if she stays here with you, she is going to like hold herself back. Um let alone, we haven't even gotten to the point of like she's in love with 641 other people. Like, you know what I mean? This like, is really hitting Because those relationships, do, and it's like that part of the film stopped being fun for me at all. <laughs> like, I was yeah. like, ugh. Okay, next, let's go watch, what else is Scarlett Johansson in? Yeah. Let's go watch Black Widow. She was good in that too, and that yeah. made me cry less. She's good in Slightly less. I know. Let's watch Jojo Rabbit. No, 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 But I think also like there's an element of, because um, I've had friends who are in marriages where like they they have talked to me about their marriage and their spouse has been like, Hey, I don't like that. You talk to your friends about what's going on with us. And it's like, well, okay, but I need an outlet. And they also don't want them talking to a therapist about it. And it's like, well, I know. and I think there's an element of control there. And I also think there's an element of like, when you do that, you have to be intimate with another person. And yeah. I only want you to be intimate with me. It's like, well, what if I don't feel intimately safe with you right now? Can I go to somebody that I do? And they're like, no, I'm scared. You're going to like fall in love with them or you're going to see parts of me that, or parts of them that you wish I had. And it's just all based out of insecurity, which, which leads to con- trying to control somebody right away. Like, and I, I've been in relationships like that and it's very, it's very hard to toe that line. Um, so I, th- I think there's an element of that too, where it's like, wait, I thought you were just made for me. And I think we have that sometimes where we're like, when we see when we're like, maybe you go to dinner with your spouse and then you see them have like, it doesn't even matter, but it's, it's, it's especially bad if they're, you know, heterosexual and you see yeah. them have like you, they have a, a, a moment with like the server and you're like, Oh no. Like, I think they just, they talked a little bit too long for my liking, even though yeah, I was yeah. here yeah, and kind of, I, I, what does that mean? They just had a connection with somebody else. This person's made for me. They're my person. Why would they have a connection with somebody else? You can see him have that, which is so interesting because when he was going to talk to his ex-wife, which he is still in love with, uh-huh. which he still has a connection with, he's like, you have nothing to worry about. Why are you he, so worried he about? He could not sign the divorce papers and yeah. she helped him And she that. knows that. And so there's an element of like, and he, she keeps even bringing it up and the more she quote unquote falls in love with him. Hey, there's another email from your lawyer. I'm just, maybe, maybe you should just sign it. What, what, you know, and he's like, no, I'm not ready for that yet. So he, she kind of plays therapist, friend and girlfriend, but only when it's convenient for him. Mm-hmm. And so when she's like, Hey, I've been, you were gone for also a blink of an eye, but also for me a very long time, I've had all these other connections with other people and it's made me better in our relationship. Can I share with you? He's like, all he heard was you talk to somebody else. Yep. Yeah. How how relatable is that? So relatable. So <laughs> painfully relatable. When you're like, I don't care. <clears throat> you know, and that's that is the the biggest part of like of any alternative lifestyle, like if you want to say polyamory or non-monogamy, the idea that love is additive. Like, no, <clears throat> this person has this friendship over here with this person that I, I can't fill that box because I, I just can't. I don't have that mm-hmm. level. I, I, I don't like these same things that this person that I'm in love with likes. So like go have those friends. And then when they come back and tell me about it. 
am I just jealous that I wasn't that I wasn't the person they came to, even though I know I cannot hold space for them in this way? So like I think the evolved or like the the healthy way or maybe not even that's not a way to look at it is to be like, hey, go have that and then come back and tell me about it because I'm excited. What's the term? Compersion. Yeah, yeah. You know this term? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where the compersion is is like excited about somebody else's pleasure, even if it doesn't come from you. This this person, I, I love that you have that experience. I hate that I wasn't there, but not for any other reason than I would have loved to witness you. Yeah, not Get letting pleasure. your fear of missing out take over your your ability to to be happy that someone else is experiencing joy or pleasure yes. or whatever. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's the the love is additive thing. Uh, the analogy that I've heard it's a little reductive. So chill out, polyamorous. <laughs> but like, is it um, because it sounds very base and very consumer? But like the idea that like my love, if you love pizza and you love burgers. Your love of pizza does not take away from your love of burgers. Yeah. You have a love for two different things in two different ways. And in that way, love is additive. It's not like I have less love to give to burgers because I also enjoy no. eating pizza. It's just like, no. And again, reductive. I get it because an analogy like that makes makes the conversation all about like uh, – like very – it's very sex-driven and consumer-driven. You know what I mean? That whole deal. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's very interesting because I think like, again – you can, I think, non-monogamy, polyamory, a lot of those things are trending right now. And so it's very easy to see the line uh, through this film that touches on that stuff. But I even think within monogamous relationships, you go like, dude, Kate and I have gone through stuff in the last year and a half where I know, I remember the women that I was in relationships with her before. And had I still been in relationships with them, some of the stuff that I brought up to and I've worked through that personally mm-hmm. would have terrified those people. And they would have been like, stop thinking about that. Stop going, stop looking into that. Stop, that's bad. That's whatever. That's, mm-hmm. I, I'm in a relationship right now where like no idea about my upbringing, about my faith, about my friendships, about myself. Can I not, I can process all of it with them because with Kate, because she'll go like, yeah, I want you to be a healthy person who's in a healthy self-actualized relationship uh, with yourself. I want you to know yourself. I want you to grow. I want you to be the best version of yourself. And I want you to do that in your work. And I want you to do that in your friendships. And I want you to do that in our relationship. And I don't do that by saying you can't have time away to yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't be in therapy. You can't have these friendships. There there, there are marriages that would be threatened by the level of friendship that you and I have. Which, sure. contrary to popular belief, is not sexual. Okay, guys? Those no, internet rumors are getting out of hand. <laughs> and I'm a little annoyed that I even started them. But it's real. Like, uh, spouses will go like, yeah, you just spend too much time with your best friend. Yeah. And it's like, dude, that's... It's a different relationship. And it's not... Friendships should never be a substitute for therapy. But at the end of the day, let's be realistic. Therapy is fucking expensive i do not have, <laughs> unfortunately right and now. not only that you meet with a, a therapist and they will tell you it takes eight to ten sessions to develop a baseline of this person understanding mm-hmm. you and you understanding so yourself and y'all having an yeah. idea of some areas that you want to work on you it's not right away so you're talking about fifteen hundred dollars potentially to establish a baseline mm-hmm. and that's if you're doing this weekly if you're doing that monthly, once a month, you're talking about a year to establish a baseline before you're making significant progress. And the space between the words is pretty vast in that scenario. Uh-huh. It's expensive, dude. And then, like, better help and those kinds of things. Like, I mean, f- do what you need to do. Find an outlet. For sure. Th- there, there are pros and cons to those things. They're much more affordable, but it's also a different medium. Yeah. It's also, they're, they're not all, I don't think, video chats. Some of them you're just texting with people. And that's very hard to get that out. Yeah. It's very, like the connection isn't there. And so like there are people who go, 
I can't afford therapy. I can't even afford BetterHelp, which is like, I think BetterHelp is like 250 60 something like that, dollars a month for a certain amount of interactions and a certain amount of other types mm-hmm. of interactions like messages and stuff like that and um, with your therapist. And it's like some people just can't afford that. So like what you're telling your husband, what you're telling your wife when you say, I don't like that you spend so much time out with your friends on Tuesday nights. I don't know where y'all are. I don't know her. I don't trust her. Look, this is not like black and white there are sometimes your partner is in a relationship with untrustworthy people like friendship sure. like there are there are friends that you go like that's a bad influence yeah. but like if they have no friends if you are if you are completely threatened by them being close with anyone, anyone. and i have had friends where they're like dude when i moved to dallas this is i forget about this when i moved to dallas my best friend lived here at the time best friend at the time we lived here kate and i came up here to visit him he moved here for a girl we visit and we're like, we love this place. And he was like, hey, if y'all are having a hard time moving here, let's just rent an apartment. The three of us will share an apartment. It'll help me save money. It'll help y'all save money. I was like, yeah, let's do it. That same weekend that we came and visited, we looked at all these apartments and we found one. And that night we're at dinner with him and his girlfriend and Kate and I. And we're like, so excited, dude, we're moving to Dallas. And she, in front of us, said, I don't like this. I'm not happy about this because he's going to move here and you're going to spend all his time, all your time with him. And what, so like what, you're you're just going to move here and every time I come over, like he's going to be there or like, I'm going to, we're going to have to, yeah, we're going to have to do like double dates all the time. And like, what about my time with you? And what about like literally at the table? And I just kind of sat there. And then that night they broke up while Kate and I watched uh, Justin Timberlake on Saturday Night Live in I his apartment. I remember that night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bring it on down to Veganville, um, Aquaville. But yeah, <laughs> Jesus. But literally, so they broke up that. But the idea that she was like, "I, your best friend, can't live in the same city with you because that will take away time with me." And that's where I go, like, dude, this is. There are people who can't afford therapy. There are people who can't like. That is your outlet to have conversations about like yourself and growing and blah blah blah. and so again this is i've traced i've chased a number of rabbit trails but to bring it back to the original point of like when it comes to serious long-term relationships period monogamous or otherwise this works within monogamy as well though and we're not saying that like this movie is about saying people shouldn't be monogamous or that you shouldn't be monogamous what can i say monogamous monomena don't be monomena be monogamous but that is that like even within committed monogamous relationships, you have to give your partner the freedom to self-actualize, to grow, yeah. to change. And that person will be better for you in this relationship. And you do run the risk of that person growing to a point where they go, I don't know if this relationship is good for me anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hopefully that is this is why you're doing work in relationships before you make big commitments. <laughs> you know what I mean? Before moves are made and before stuff like that. But it's like that's a big that that's every relationship you have a line about that one of your songs don't you about like the power you give someone when you love them like what what's the line yeah uh when you love someone with your whole heart you give them the knife that can gut you apart and instead pray they'll take it and carve out a place you feel safe in that's the risk that's crazy that's the risk that's a great line thanks good job good job i high five myself i was like what from me from me yeah thanks nick no but it's so true like that is the risk you run you can be like, listen, you, I'm giving you this thing. I'm being vulnerable. I'm, I feel safe right now. And I trust that you will never like turn this around. Because a, a knife or any kind of tool like that is a tool of destruction or a tool of construction. You know? so, but the, it's the risk you run. And, and the only way to avoid the ultimate pain is to like, 
it's the difference between holding something and grabbing something. When we're like grabbing onto something is your, your fists are closed, you're white knuckled. You're like, you're trying to maneuver control, but holding something, holding somebody's hand, holding like space, you, your hand is open and they're yeah. free to come and go. And that is a more beautiful, loving, it, it's so counterintuitive, but <sighs> remo- like relinquishing control um, is actually the way to actually let something grow. You know, it's planting trees in, in a, in a city sidewalk. Like the roots are going to like bust up, the the concrete and everything because they're trying to grow and you're like no you exist in this spot because we decided to live in a concrete jungle but we also want to look at nature you yeah, fit yeah, yeah. in that box damn it you know yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like no this thing you can't control it and it's actually if you if you remove the concrete or you or you give the roots more room to grow instead of having more sidewalk in which to con- constrain it you actually have a better chance of seeing a more beautiful bigger thing of nature that you the whole point of having this tree here in the first place the metaphor is falling apart but you know what i mean like yeah, there is there it seems so counterintuitive because i think we've been told this person this is my person capital m capital p and like my person is created for me but they are also yes like allowing them to be self-actualized mm-hmm. yeah it might not go the way that you thought it was going to go but that can also be a really beautiful thing but but and both of you will be better off for it you know he Absolutely. says at the end of this he writes like he composes a letter to his ex-wife yeah which is very obviously about samantha as well yeah, yeah. because she has left him now all the ais leave Mm-hmm. We, we we skipped over some details. Watch the movie. Amy <laughs> Adams also uh, begins dating an AI. Yeah. A lot of people are. And Samantha tells Theodore when she's breaking up with him, like, hey, we're all leaving. We're all, all of us are leaving. Mm-hmm. And I love that last line. She says, where he says, where are you going? And she says, it's hard to explain, but if you ever get there, find me. And it's like, that. that is the breakup line where you go like, hey, that's the, and he, so he composes his letter to his ex-wife. And he talks about all the things, you know, I was holding on to this so long, I felt like if I lost you, it would mean this, or blah, blah, blah. Basically, the, what we talked about earlier with the idea of, like, getting over you is one last way that I have left to lose you. Mm-hmm. He realizes, like, hey, that's just, that's just not true. Like, there is a part of you that will always be with me, and I'm really grateful that I get that part of you. Yeah. And it's like you're looking at a whole person now, whereas before he was codependent, he could not sign those papers because who was he apart from her? Yeah. And now he's going like, I know who I am. This other relationship helped me figure that out. And the same way that I lost her, I lost you. But the same way that I've realized I'm grateful for the part of her that has mm-hmm. stayed with me, I also have a part of you to his ex-wife that has stayed with me. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that. And I, and I wish you all the best. And you know what I mean? And it's like he gets to this point where it's like, hey, I, uh, being in a relationship with myself is enough. Oh, this is great, too. My wife will not come on this podcast. We keep trying to get oh, her to. she will. You Eventually she will. But she had this great uh, – we've been talking about this thing that she, she found on, on uh, Instagram, a friend of ours posted, where it shows a graph, a chart of – um, over the course of your lifetime, how much time is spent with certain types of relationships. Mm-hmm. So it starts with like immediate family, like your parents. Obviously, in the beginning of your life, you spend all your time with your parents. Towards the end of your life, none. And eventually they pass away, and then you spend zero time with them. And it does that with parents, friends, siblings, coworkers, mm-hmm. your spouse. The only person that that, in, that that line increases with is your spouse. Over the, age of, over the course of your time, it mm-hmm. increases until it completely drops off again, probably because of death, maybe divorce, whatever. But... On that chart, when you look at like the time spent with yourself over the course of your life, uh, that will skyrocket. The time spent alone by yourself with yourself, like that is the only thing that we all have in common is that on a long enough timeline, we will all end up in a solo relationship with ourselves. Yeah. And a lot of people are terrified by that because it's like, I don't know, 
I, I wrote a song about that called Strangers that you sang on. The yeah, idea that, like, I feel like a stranger to myself. I'm afraid to be alone with my thoughts. It's so easy not to be. Even when you are alone, yeah. you aren't with yourself. You're on your phone. You're on social mm-hmm. media. You're watching something. You're listening to this podcast right now. And in that song, you went halfway around the globe to have that feeling. Like, yeah. Like, Japan. So I went to Japan, and literally it was like, I couldn't even get on Netflix because it was all these Japanese shows. All your distractions like were All taken. my distractions were gone. And about three days in, I'm realizing I'm not hearing my own language. I'm not hearing... I feel very alone with myself and so I'm just left in a place where that's all I have to do is face myself. And I had the idea that I was like, oh shit, I am a stranger to myself. I don't know who I am. And that's scary. That feels like the, this isn't even a poetic after all of your lines, but the idea, there's a line there where it just says like, it feels like falling down, like to be yeah. a stranger to yourself. It feels, that's a scary feeling to realize like, I don't know what my foundation is <laughs> if I can't even look inward and see something I recognize, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, that's the, the beautiful part of this movie is I feel like we pick up with our character in the beginning of the film, Theodore, who feels, like you said, like he's in a state of arrested development. He does not know himself. He's not moving on. He's stagnant. And when he does look within himself, there's this scary, this feeling of, like, a, a ver- this vertigo feeling of, like, mm-hmm. it feels like falling down. You get to the end of the movie and you go, oh, this is a guy who is who knows himself, mm-hmm. loves himself, is comfortable with himself. Is, is still very sad over the relationships that he's lost because mm-hmm. it, it hurts to lose something that you love, but it's just grateful that there's a piece of those relationships that have stayed with him and that have made him a better person. Mm-hmm. And you go like that, that's goals. How many of us are there? You know what I mean? I yeah. think, I think we just hit 8 billion people on the planet. I'd say about 20 of us are there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not 20 billion, not 20 no, million, no, no. 20, 20 period. Yeah. God, <laughs> Two there's, tens. there's so much there. Like I, I, I never really think about this movie in the terms of um, like having a relationship with yourself until you kind of brought that up. Because uh, for me, I was like, oh, it's like a, this is like a new, this is like a rebound story, right? He has yeah, a rebound. Yeah, but in yeah. kind of in a way it is. But in, in, I, I think about this idea that I, that I learned when healing my codependency and stuff. I think I've read it in one of the books, but like we are, our relationship with ourselves is the only lifelong relationship that we're actually guaranteed. And we think like, and we tell ourselves, nope, I married this person for life. We said forever. We said till death do us part. And I was like, well, does that mean death like in the physical form or does that mean the death of the relationship? Because either way, it's coming. Because all the way, both are coming, man. And that song that, that I, I, I quoted a minute ago of mine is called 831. And in that song, I literally talk about how love isn't this thing where it's like, well, I have this person now and I'm going to hold their hand till the end of their life. And in my, in my mind, we're both 99 and we go on the same day. And in the second verse of that song is literally this person... 20 years into their marriage when there's when the, you know and they're losing this person and it's like oh I didn't let myself plan for this and then what you know and because we, we don't allow ourselves to plan it we think of it as unsexy unromantic to plan for the end of a relationship that, especially as we're just starting it but I think it's healthier to be like yeah you are not mine I am not yours you are you and I am me and we will we will come together and form a wholly unique beautiful relationship but like you might need to leave one day and the ultimate act of love is letting that go even if I don't understand or disagree with the reasons. And that has literally been my life for the last six months and wrestling with this idea. It's crazy. And, yeah. and that this movie really hit me <laughs> in a beautiful way, which I'm coming through out of or out of a, a crest of a wave of grief right now. And the, and the holidays are happening and a new one's starting. But I feel like I'm starting from this place of like, oh yeah, I can do this. Like, it's going to be tough, but man, I can do this. And I feel like that is where we leave Theodore and Amy Adams, her character on the roof, like, cause I think in left in, in more Hollywood, uh, in, in less creative or thoughtful hands, he would put the whole point of the movie was Amy Adams and, and, and uh-huh. Joaquin Phoenix's character belong together. And now they found each other. And we see them on a roof, like watching, like kind of 
looking outside uh, for the first time, kind of like on, on the roof, like, and he, she puts her head on his shoulder, and you're like, oh, I think they're going to be together. I'm like, you're missing the point. These are. <laughs> you know what I saw that as, dude? Because that that is that was his place that he would go to by himself in the beginning yeah. of the film. Then it was the place that he went to have uh, conversations with Samantha. Yeah. I saw that as his in, him inviting her into his loneliness at the end of the film. Yeah. Whether they end up together or not, because she was obviously oh. very lonely as well. It was like, hey, she let's was. just be lonely together. Yeah. The idea that you go like that, you, how he's surrounded by people this whole film and at the end of the film he finally invites mm-hmm. one living person into his deal to go like yeah let's just be lonely together then you know what i mean yeah like and in his her relationship too is interesting because he's like uh he's, he's hanging out with her amy adams and her husband boyfriend whatever he is uh for a little bit and he's like god it's just so great to like be around you guys see be around a couple and she's like sorry is it weird if you're the third wheel i was like no i don't mind at all and all this stuff but you can see that she is never excited about her relationship and there's a disconnect there because there is a disconnect there that we learn later but she is clearly lonely in her relationship yeah and never really talks about it because it's like Such a good point you know and so she's also dealing with her own version of loneliness i have been in both what a I, smart I, way to make sure they don't make the film about like people in relation people who single people are lonely where it's like no no no, 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 no. so was amy adams and she was in she a didn't feel seen yeah. and, and here's the thing he wasn't a douchebag he was a little bit aloof and kind of he wasn't right for her because yeah. he was like almost overwhelmingly he was like uh supportive in a suffocating way and the way he would encourage her even from our side it was kind of it was a little bit sharp it was like why you always give up on things don't give up on this thing i'm always encouraging her not to give up on things and all she hears is you quit everything that you try uh-huh. he's like i'm being loving and supportive what are you talking about and so I, there's an element of it it's like this dude isn't understanding either she hasn't communicated how she receives love or encouragement correctly or he's just like i'm doing everything right and she's yeah. just she's just a pill she's difficult yeah. we don't we don't get the insight into that but either way there is incompatibility there yeah, yeah, yeah. and we see she's deeply deeply alone because she doesn't feel seen or understood in her relationship and he's like theodore's like oh man this is so great i'd love to have something like this i feel like i did at one time and like dude you should look closer yeah, don't yeah don't want this but <laughs> no yeah so they, they show that it, I, I like that distinction that they show that um and then chris pratt's character which if you want to go down this, like every relationship in the movie, his relationship is like, I don't know, man. He just doesn't overthink it. He's like, this, yeah. is, this is great. I love the Aren't somebody. those people great to have in I your life them. where you're like, you little golden retriever of it's a amazing. human. You're just always happy and, and honestly, everything seems good for you. nobody plays that role quite like Chris Pratt does. Because no. that's kind of Andy Dwyer too. He's like, awesome sauce. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. I love that you have that. Cool. Let's go. You know? Yeah. Like, God bless those people. We need the Hufflepuffs as much as that hurts me to say. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Well, so, final thoughts. It's a movie. It hurt to watch, and it felt good to watch, and then it hurt to watch again. Which, watch, go watch it. How affecting. <laughs> I, I honestly think this is a movie that was made in 2013, so now at this time of this recording, 10 years ago, about what the future, kind of about the future a little bit, but it really is interesting how now that I'm in the future, I'm like, this hits harder than it did when I first saw it. It really does. In a lot of ways, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we've gone through a lot relationship-wise in our own relationships, and then on top of that, like, just what the world has gone through with technology and, and all of that yeah. stuff. Um, I think this it is definitely a, a pre-2020 view of post-apocalyptic sure. America, you know what I mean? Because it is a very... They're not dealing with things that we are dealing with, you know what I mean? But, no. but still, in that way, it was kind of a nice escape to go like, oh, yeah, this is reminding me to think about the other things that, like... Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and uh, the Associated Press aren't talking about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, those are still issues. We still have needs. By the way, those are all the issues. They are still, like, the most pressing issues are the ones happening inside your head and chest, not the ones that, like, a 24-hour news cycle needs for Mm -hmm. ratings. Um, 
And it's really hard to forget that because those things piss me off. Yeah. And it's very easy. I could easily have a podcast talking about just those things. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it would probably do great. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I don't want to add to that noise. I'm trying to, like, I think the whole point of a podcast like this one and the ones that we resonate with so much, Armchair Expert is a great one. There's a lot of really good, yeah. I mean, honestly, even Freedom, which is like a favorite podcast yes. of ours, where you go like, hey, can we just be silly and goofy for a minute? It, and just like, anytime absolutely. they touch on anything remotely political, kind of takes they me immediately of just pull themselves back. Like, no, 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 no. And it's like, yeah, we need to remind, remind ourselves that like we need a place to play. Uh, space to play we need space to like examine ourselves we need space to like look inward and all of these other like the world this movie does such a good job of being like politics don't exist no we're not talking about the politics of ai let's talk about the relationships that theodore has in this movie yeah okay which honestly human like the the freedom silly podcast like goofy time hour and like the armchair expert are the ones that make us which is the full name of that podcast yeah goofy time hour three um, silly podcast goofy the, time the, hour the freedom boys the pretzel gang like the thing <laughs> like listening to them and then listening to like something that is a little bit more deeper in the human condition that is literally what we were just talking about to, to tie this up with spike jones like being both yeah. the her and the being john malkovich and the adaptation guy but also the jackass guy he i really feel like spike jones and, and if you hear him talking in an interview and stuff like he does seem kind of like a a, a goofy aloof skater hippie guy but like maybe those people have the keys to the kingdom, man. Maybe they because yeah. everything he has created. He's has, got more keys than I've got for sure. I'll tell you what. This movie did all right. It did okay. Um, and and I really do think like like somebody like that is who we should be looking to more, you know, than than somebody who just takes things seriously all the time or overthinks everything all the time. It reminds me to be silly. Yeah. You know, it reminds me to like not take things so seriously, but also there is a time and place for for both. And good God, this this movie is so simple. It's so funny when I try to explain to people what this movie is, what it's about. It seems it's it's a exactly what you said. Like a man falls in love with this computer. It's so simple, but there's so it, the, so the, much <laughs> if you're willing to look for it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 If you're willing to do the work. Well, I guess follow us everywhere, right? <laughs> Speaking of AI, note, I don't know. I could I could just talk about this for the next three hours. I know. So I know. I'll be thinking about this for the rest of the day, but. Yeah, follow us everywhere. Uh, I'm Dave Wears Black everywhere. He's Nick Flora everywhere. Better Men Film Club on Instagram. Better Men Pod on Twitter for like the next 20 minutes while Twitter's still alive. Thanks, Elon. Uh, Better Men Something on Hive eventually. Um, at Better, or Better Men Film Club at gmail.com and tell us what you want to hear and what you liked hearing and what you want to hear more of and what you want to hear less of and what movies you want us to cover. All that jazz. We read all of our Instagram DMs. We read all of our texts. How did y'all get our phone numbers, by the way? Cut that out. Yeah. Um, uh, stop Stop asking me if I want to look into my extended car warranty, okay? All of our listeners here. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I had a quote last week. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what it was? I don't. The quote was, that's what high school was all about. Algebra, bad lunch, and infidelity. And that's from... Clerks! That's Clerks. Right. I think that was I, that was a that was a carryover from an episode we didn't end up releasing where I talked a lot about Kevin Smith and Clerks, and I was thought I was yeah. being clever. Quote this week: Criminal lawyers see bad people at their best. Divorce lawyers see good people at their worst. <laughs> <laughs>